and welcome to Going Off Track. Hello. I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. And we are sitting in a dark room together. Yes. As we always do. Although As we do. We weren't, that's not what we were doing um, last Saturday. Last Saturday. Well, uh, we were, it was kind of dark, actually. It was a little dark. It was pretty dark, actually. Yeah. It was a different kind of dark. This is like mood lighting dark. <laughs> that was just like basement bar well, dark. Well, this is also kind of soundproof, so you really that's feel true. like you're locked in. Yes. And locked down. Yeah, we just this is our first time in the studio since we taped our live podcast at Union Hall, mm-hmm. which I, th- I think it sold out. Yeah, I think I it think must have. It was pretty crowded. Um, so thanks to Eddie Stern, Steak Mountain, Vanessa, and Blake Schwarzenbach. Um, Blake played a Jester Brazil song, Sweet yeah. Avenue, which I think was very exciting for everyone there. If you want, you can listen to that. I think it's um, out. It's out. So it's a podcast from a couple episodes ago or last episode or. <laughs> Whenever this comes out soon. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think there's some video too. I think Mike Dubin put up a video of it. So, um, yeah. what? Uh, Brett's having a little bit of a stressful day, but he's <laughs> keeping it together. You seem very calm. Yeah. Contractors. Contractors. That's all I got to say. Yeah. If you know, you know. If you don't, it doesn't matter. You don't want to hear about it. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, a lot of pros. Pros to... Uh, Handling that stuff before it gets out of control. I, you know, at least I have a place that needs to be worked on. So I feel like if I had a place, like I would be like, oh, that needs to be. Fi-. I don't know. Actually, I feel like I would care about it more if I was like, this is mine. Yeah, I want you owned, dude. Forget yeah. About it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that would make sense. I so guess. I shouldn't bitch too much. No, I mean, listen. <laughs> so it goes. Um, what have you been listening to lately, Brad? Any what new, have I been any listening new bands? to? Not really. Do you listen to like I'm listening what you, to some podcasts? Yeah, I listened to the um, uh, the Ice Tea podcast. Oh, Randy from Lemma God was yeah. the dude who tell us about that. Yeah, I still have not checked that out. It's pretty cool. I can't yeah. know what it's called though. Um, which is really not a very great plug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'd be very easy to find Ice Tea's podcast. Uh, what else have I been listening to? It seems like I've been listening to things, but I can't tell you what. I picture you just like <laughs> always listening to the replacements. <laughs> that would be really boring. <laughs> that would be. I've been listening to uh, Loma Prieta, this band on Deathwish. I just got their record. It's pretty cool. Jason Isbell, the Drive By Truckers, his new record. Uh-huh. That maybe not my favorite record by him, but really good. Um, and a lot of old stuff, like like uh, you know, Jealous Sound. Liars Academy, a lot of like 2000s emo. You know, I don't know why this happened, but I was listening to Muse recently, Mm -hmm. who I never, ever, ever, ever got into before. I didn't realize that the band was such a sort of a thing. I mean, they're massive. Huge band, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I knew that they were a big band, but I didn't realize that they were like religiously large yeah i think so i never really got into them but i know that they're very popular yeah, they're a little too i don't know math rocky for me yeah i just saw you too on monday oh you did yeah monday yeah me and vanessa went kind of last minute oh that's like that's the that was the thing to do last week it was right? cool we were like on the on the floor of the garden and they had this crazy stage setup that went through the whole thing basically and they had kind of stages on each ends and they would interact with this screen that they could go up inside. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. I saw so, I saw a show on that screen. And when you're on the floor, you could just kind of walk back and forth and like 
Bono or the Edge would just kind of walk past you playing something. It's pretty cool. You know, um, so Bono actually was here for like a charity thing one time. Okay. Which was cool. He was very nice. And um, he kind of just blew in and blew out. But the, his engineer stayed, was here like well in advance of the session. And like that was the fun part because like I was just peppering him with questions. I'm not necessarily, I'm not a, like a YouTube fan, but I'm not a hater. Right. But um, he said that edge has this huge, massive pedal board. Right. I'm sure. Obviously. Cause that's right. What he, that's what he plays is pedals. Right. <laughs> Let's face it. <laughs> He'll probably even admit it himself that he's built his legacy on absolutely pedals. But, um, so it's like this massive pedal board that he, he sits in front of, but, it's exactly duplicated under the stage and his guitar tech sits there and watches within line of sight of the stage and watches him. And like, if he's like, you know, not going to make it back in time to like engage a certain pedal for a part of the song, the guitar tech does it. I mean, he, this show, I mean, like I'm telling you, he was walking back and forth on this ramp the whole time. So this guy must have hit yeah, almost the tech everything. Was probably doing There's everything no way he could have like run over like, yeah. And the this guy, and the engineer was telling me that like that that Edge would try to fuck with the guy like he'd go like the like lift up his foot like he's gonna hit it and then stop and like <laughs> that's pretty yeah, funny how, that's what I would how do. fucking how massive of a huge artist do you have to be that you would like you be on a stage in front of like two hundred thousand people like trying to fuck up your set pretty incredible <laughs> I also met I met you two's spiritual advisor really yeah uh, I was at this party before and it was like that is like you're in a huge band when you have that. Like that to me, I was like so impressed. So, was the spiritual advisor traveling with them then? Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I just met some dude, and then uh, our friend who took us, really nice guy, was um, told me this. Like that was their spiritual advisor. I was like, oh, that's that's. I've never met. I don't think one of those before. Did they seem spiritual? S- super nice. Seemed like a super nice dude. Uh, we didn't really. I wish I had known this up front. I would have maybe asked a bunch of questions <laughs> about, about what am I doing with my life. But uh, yeah, he was cool. But yeah, it was a good show. It was fun. Um, and uh, Is there know, an opener? No opener. Okay. Last time I saw them, though, uh, My Morning Jacket opened. This is about 10 years ago in Cleveland, which is a pretty cool opening band. Well, they generally... Have pretty good ones. Yeah, so that's why I was curious. Yeah, I, think- I don't know. Honestly, last I saw you two, but it was, I mean, uh, over 20 years ago. It was like the Zoo TV tour. Wow. Yeah, that was a long time ago. And that was, I think, Primus opened for him. Wow. I think. Whatever. It was boring. <laughs> you know, the not... technology completely overwhelmed them at that show, I would say. Yeah, I mean, the tech is, it's pretty impressive that they've always been able to stay so ahead of the curve with the tech stuff. Like this thing, I guess, it was like the the thing they have... Our friends explained to us is like that it's the first one in the world and it's like an LED board, but it's also like see through. Yeah, no, I literally I saw I actually saw a show just on that okay. board. I totally completely saw how it works. Yeah. Cause you, cause you can see the person in it, but then you also see variations of the image of them inside of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's happened in any good life shows. But uh <laughs> today our guest in the podcast is Tim Casher. First of all, I want to apologize to the guy who's tweeted at us every week for the last, like, six months. When is the Tim Casher episode coming up? We wanted to to save it for when the new Good Life record came out, and it's happening, guys. August 14th, their fifth album. It is called Everybody's Coming Down. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Tim. Uh, 
I love the good life. I it's love, a great album title, by the way. It is. It's a pretty. It's a cool album too. It's. It's very. All of all the good life albums are very different. Um, and uh, yeah, blackout album of the year. So many good good life records, and uh, obviously Tim singer for Cursive as well. And uh, he also has solo stuff. And when he was here, it was the same day Jenny Lewis was here. Right. And you know, Rilo Kylie and Cursive used to tour together, so it was cool. They ran into each other and were hanging out in the lobby, and I was like, I sort of made this happen. Bringing people back they together, man. They hadn't seen each other in, like I think, like over five years or something, something crazy. So, uh, yeah, it was cool to have Jenny and Tim, and you know, especially being such a big Saddle Creek fan. Anyways, uh, yeah, we've talked for a long time. Yeah. Let's get into it with Tim Casher. How's it going? It's going well. How yeah. are you? Good. Good. Um, I was thinking on the way over here last time we hung out, and you were wearing a dress. Oh, yeah. Was that the last time? I think so. That probably is. I think yeah. I forgot about that time. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the last time was at Riot Fest. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, maybe it was Riot Fest. No. It might be that the dress bit <laughs> was the last time. Anyways, they were right around each other. Yeah, right that is the same true. Time. Like within like maybe a month of each other, actually. Yeah, that was fun. You looked. So that's funny. You, so I was really messed up in the dress, and so I don't remember that one as well. And you were pretty messed up at Riot Fest. Yeah. So you might not remember I, that I one as well. I actually don't even remember hanging out at Riot Fest. <laughs> so. <laughs> so there. Yeah. Great. Um, do you feel like? Uh, I'm sort. Of, I'm not super hungover today, but I saw your band last night, so a little bit. I mean, do, how do you feel about like? Do you feel like all of a sudden one day your body just kind of like? stop cooperating when it came to drinking or do you feel like you've maintained pretty well as far as oh so um so we're doing this podcast at eleven thirty in the morning yes which are which is the time that i chose <laughs> yes and i'm, I'm learning you've, you've like you're you've like followed suit with other podcasts i've done where people where the reaction is like i've never done a podcast this early before Oh yeah, this is not not super. We do ones earlier. Oh, good. It's okay. totally not a big deal. Uh, I have. This is all leading up to the fact that over the years, like very gradually. So I used to be, um, I guess, just like all of us, or like all of my friends anyway, like all pretty like pretty regular drinkers. And uh, I, for my body, uh, and but primarily my vocal cords, which I have to like maintain. Unfortunately, uh, they just like whiskey. And my vocal cords just couldn't get along at all. Or just basically, just because they dehydrate you so much. Right. So I very gradually over the years learned how to, uh, to, uh, I've had to drink less and less. So yeah, yeah, hangovers are awful, but I think they're even more awful for me now because I rarely have them anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. I felt like I, like, I never thought, I was always like, I'll be fine. Like, I can drink as much as I want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and then, like, I was like, that's never going to happen to me. And then I feel like in the last, like, five years, like, once I hit 30 and then 30, 35, like, it really it makes me, like, fuzzy the next day. I can't, like, think right. Yeah, it makes me want to cry really hard. Yeah. Because um, I feel like you have so many kind of songs that involve alcohol, too. And I feel like when people go see Cursive, it's like... Like, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's like a real party night. Yeah. And like, oh, let's go get trashed with that guy. And you're like, this is, <laughs> you're like, I'm that guy every night. So like, yeah. this is like with a one night for you. That's something that we recognized a long time ago. Though, even not even just with uh, you know audience uh, members, but 
just with your buddies, like and you have friends in every town and trying to express to them like, this is great. It's so great seeing you tonight. But we just saw like, we just saw like, we saw like a version of you last night and we're going to see you again. <laughs> like we're going to see other friends tomorrow night too. Like this is a traveling, it can't be a traveling party all the time. Totally. But it's also like, I really like, um, you know, you that Good Life Song Entertainer, which sort of talks about just sort of the fact that in a lot of ways, like performing is maybe just like a vehicle for kind of selling alcohol. Right. In a way. I mean, do you still feel that way? Um, absolutely, unfortunately. But it's because, I mean, there's so often we find ourselves in this conversation of uh, like, well, let's start. Like, you know, like the stage is set. Um, let's start early and uh, you'll be up against these, you know, I guess, you know, powers that be, if <laughs> not just like the bar and the promoter and stuff, but you, the, all these people that you're getting along with, you all kind of like went into like an agreement of like how you're going to, that you're going to provide entertainment at this venue tonight and they're selling tons and tons of alcohol. Uh, and so, yeah, you're not supposed to start until say 11 because they're going to, they want to sell alcohol all the way to the last minute. All so right. that's weird. You yeah, know? that is weird. And uh, I try to fight it, but I don't know, but I'm also now, like, I don't know, I'm kind of on that other side now, too, because I'm, like, the cursive guys and, like, own a bar in Omaha. And so, yeah, there's just alcohol everywhere. <laughs> I mean, you, so you were, you, do you still live in Omaha? Because mm. I remember you were living in Los Angeles and, like, writing a movie or something. I was living, I moved to, yeah, I moved to a handful of places since then. Okay. I moved to L.A. a little while ago, and uh, uh, upon moving there, I was I was making I wanted to make a decision. I was like, I'm going to move somewhere really big or really small. And uh, circumstances, as they were, just the big one, big popped up. So a couple of years later, um, I went I went and fulfilled the other role and went to Whitefish, Montana, and which was great. It was like a town of eight thousand about 45 minutes from the border, Canadian border, and uh, did an album up there. And then I came back to Omaha for a little bit, then to Atlanta, and now I've been in Chicago for for a couple of years. Okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah, what? it's just been scooting around. What were you, what would you kind of do in Montana, aside from making the record? Because uh, like, I always uh, want to move somewhere like that, but I'm always like, would I just be really bored? I don't, yeah, no, you, I don't know, maybe you would, I doubt it, I bet you wouldn't be. I bet I wouldn't be either. There is, I mean, there's different ways to answer, so for a person like me, like, I had plenty to do because I, because I do write, like you were mentioning, I write all the time, like I screenwrite, and other than, you know, just songwriting. Uh, so, the solitude, which I didn't even have much of up there anyway, but I, when I did, it was great for me, um, Everyone was just really kind up there. I made some friends pretty fast, and so it was a lot like any other town where I just, yeah. you know, hung out at the bars a lot. And but Montanans, like uh, people from Whitefish, they would, they are all, they tend to be more of the rugged, outdoorsy type. So they'd be like, they would tell you that there's plenty to do. Right. In every season, there's a lot of skiing up there, and there's hiking, and I don't know kayaking something there's all kinds of you things didn't i didn't do a lot of them, but i did go camping one night um which was a lot of fun at the uh, it's a glacier national park up there okay how do you like chicago i like chicago a lot yeah 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 i like it too i haven't been there in a while you should come i guess back. right fest yeah 
And yeah. we'll come back for Rye Fest. Yeah. I have a better memory of it this time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had, we were sort of talking about, we had Denver on the podcast uh-huh. a couple months ago, and we were talking about, like, that whole Saddle Creek era, like, that Devil in the Woods cover. Oh, uh-huh. And, like, I mean, how do you sort of, like, look back at that stuff? Because I wasn't really a part of it, but it feels like it was, like, almost like another lifetime ago. Does it feel like that to you? Uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair to say. Uh, you know what what it might be comparable to is, uh, is like high school or something. Yeah. Uh, like say there's grade school and then there's high school and then there's college and then there's like, at least for my trajectory. And then there was like the Saddle Creek, Saddle Creek life, (laughs) you know? Uh, I think that we tend, well, all of our lives, I guess are run, tend to run differently. But for me, I've become familiar with these like circles, like these circles of friends or like thing, you know, that you kind of run around and then you all kind of move apart and then you end up in this next circle and then you right, kind of like keep um, hurtling forward or not. Maybe I'm just like a, an awful person who just keeps <laughs> moving, you know, moving on. I'm not sure. But no, it seems like, I mean, at least for that group of people, like on that page, you know, it's like everyone's, um, you know, still friends on like in, you know, one fashion or another. So. Yeah, but I mean, not like in the way that I think that you know where we were all like sitting on each other's lap. I mean, do you do you sort of miss having that kind of a community, or is it just kind of um, growing up? I guess. No, I don't really. I uh, back, I guess back to just I like my I uh, maybe that probably is maybe that is a problem that I have. I think I do kind of I do think I think I do kind of fall into clicks and then I fall out of them again. Uh, Ultimately, I think I kind of like, I like having a lot of alone time. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. Do you, right. do you live alone? I don't. I live with my girlfriend. Gotcha. But uh, I get a lot of alone time because she's at work all day. Yeah. Um, you know, what's also crazy about that era is like uh, those, a lot of those bands were so good. Like I feel like a lot of those records still hold up. Like I feel like my records I made like in my early 20s are like terrible. <laughs> and it's like all these bands, it's, I know everyone wrote about it then, but I feel like looking back at it now, like it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. I, I mean, for me, I think it's relative to how, how I think they hold, I think they hold up too. I think there's, I don't, I don't, I'm just only speaking of like, all of our friends and like the other albums i think they all sound i think they all still sound accurate but there's a difference between my perception of that era of that time period and say somebody who's listening to this who was in grade school and is now in college or is has a job you know has a career it's a totally different thing and they might they hear it they, they hear the nostalgia in such a different way uh, I've carried it with me the whole time. So, like all those records that we're talking about, that were done from like 2000 to 2005 or whatever, uh, it's all part of the same career that I'm still attached to. So they don't seem as old yeah. to me. If that makes sense, uh, uh, you know, like any. I mean, those. I mean, it's like those are older Bright Eyes albums, but they're still all just part of what they're still just part of the catalog that Connor's been making, right? And. uh you know, I think if you, when we dip into the '90s, that's when things start seeming, yeah, like truly older to me. <laughs> what I mean, so you have obviously this is kind of the ugly organ kind of anniversary thing. I mean, how did? 
Because to me, like that almost seems like like a later era cursive record to me. So it's it's I know it's not I guess now, but it's so crazy to me. I mean, do you feel like that's a record that you guys maybe is that like the best selling cursive record? Was it you guys at like a commercial peak at that point? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was definitely it was it's the best selling by kind of by leaps and bounds. Really? Yeah. And my, just for sake of conversation, sure. I, I actually see that as the divide. I see that as the last record of the older stuff, of the old, of the older part of Cursive and in Happy Hollow kind of like ushering in the second half. If, if it's to be halved, I guess it could be quartered or third or whatever. But, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so yeah, to me, I see it as attached to Domestica. And Happy Hall is attached to Mama, I'm Swollen, if that yeah, makes sense. that does make yeah. sense. I mean, do you feel... But I feel like seeing you guys on that tour originally, like maybe maybe with like Manus Bear or something, I mean, I f- feel like you weren't playing huge places at that point. Like, do you feel like you're playing bigger places on this anniversary than you were? No, no. no. Um, and we've never really... We've never really played very big places uh, as a successful band... Uh, we never really were as successful as some people's perception, you know? Yeah. Um, we certainly have friends and they're all, even from that, you know, world that we're talking about from Sour Creek and whatnot, that just really, really filled some big rooms, you know? Totally. Uh, even when we, even at the peak of doing Ugly Organ, uh, and after, uh, we, 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 I think we always were, it'd be grotesque of me to say that we were underdogs because that would be really rude to the legions of bands that <laughs> are like fuck you <laughs> but uh but yeah we just never we we just we we tried making that leap up to like the i don't know i'll say like the 1500 cap room and it just didn't really feel right it didn't feel right and we like oh we couldn't really fill the rooms that well it seemed like i mean i think here and there we could we did but um it didn't last long and I mean, frankly, and this maybe sounds like some like too much humility, but I, I don't really care. Yeah, like it's just like everything's been going really well without needing to like totally, <laughs> ask, you know, like move up to another step. So, well, I also think you guys never really like you just went up there and played. Like I feel like it was really about the music. It wasn't like you're gonna wear like matching outfits or like. <laughs> well, we wear suits last night. Yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure, but I don't want to sit here and act like we're the band that's about the music that's ever you know yeah. like any band is gonna feel that way i you know most bands most bands yeah i guess some would be open about like oh no it's it's style yeah i mean what what has kind of kept kind of cursive you think going like like because yeah we're we're saying like you've been playing with matt for 25 26 i mean what's do you think the fact that you've had other outlets along the way has kind of helped or uh yeah, it's necessary for me. I always have. I need to keep moving around and doing other things, and that's uh, why it's why I jumped into screenwriting. Actually, I did that for because that's just really what I loved. I really love to do, but it, it's helped me a lot as far as just like changing gears in writing. Uh, but I, I just I have a tendency to, uh, you know, I'll work it. You know. Work, get to get together with the band work on an album everything's you know everyone's stoked and you go out and you tour that album 
And uh, eventually I just kind of burn out. And I don't know if burn out, maybe that's like too general of a term. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't necessarily burn out, but I'm just like ready for the next thing. Yeah. And the fact, I don't, I didn't know this when I was younger, but that I kind of set up this, I set up this routine where the next thing got to be something different with a different group of people ended up being really good for me because uh because i think to be like uh, i'm ready for the next thing but if it, it's not the next thing it's just more of this it just kind of to me it would kind of feel like it was more of the same yeah. but a lot of people do it a lot of people just have one band and that's that's their musical outlet and uh i don't know i, I kind of like the way the things worked out um for me as far as having different projects because it's just it's just I wouldn't want to do it any other way, I guess, despite the fact that there are specifically cursive fans and specifically good life fans and uh they so as a result they kinda of have to wait a long time. Like I don't like, I think I might I don't I don't think I was ever if I had like, you know if I had like a uh you know, like managers and agents behind me, they'd probably be well, you know, from a long time back, they'd probably be really pissed off at the my approach. Yeah. Because it's not very like, conducive to success. I know, but it's interesting. Like, I remember being at a show, and it, I didn't know this ever really happened. I thought it was, like, a myth, but I remember you buying shots for, like, the entire audience after the show. <laughs> um, I mean, it, I feel like that kind of stuff is, is so cool, but it's probably, like, your whole guarantee is going into that, <laughs> which I think is kind of awesome. Uh, I, I, I get in the, I get in the mood to do stuff like that sometimes <laughs> if it's not a very big show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. That's just like, sometimes you can just feel like in the moment and you're having a good time and everyone seems decent enough. Yeah, you know? totally. <laughs> Have you, I, cause I would assume that most good life and cursive fans are kind of the same people. Do you feel like there's an actual division between those audiences a little bit? Who I'd be what a Google Analytics isn't that a thing? <laughs> Can we get uh, the Google Analytics so. and like figure out? Because I'd be curious to know what the me too. You know, do you mind if I blow my nose? No, absolutely, go for it. Thanks. Go crazy. Cool. Yeah, who knows what the? I don't know. Hold on. <laughs> Since Cursive has always kind of been the kind of Papa band. Yeah. Um, a really common thing I've heard over the years is uh, is uh, like, I'm I'm sorry, uh, I don't mean any disrespect, but like I really like Good Life better. It's like a thing I've heard a lot. It's like really? no, that's fine. That's that happens to be music that I write as well. <laughs> uh, I only mentioned that Curse of Being kind of the Papa band because cursive member people who prefer cursive don't say it because i think they consider it is implied like i think if people like cursive better they just think it's an implication of like well cursive's just the better band right, <laughs> right. Know, like, but uh so yeah then it's, that's why it's kind of that setup of like i hope this is okay <laughs> but i like good life better it's like yeah that's totally fine i don't really care <laughs> i don't really care either if people just straight up because i mean people tell me too that they don't like one or the other more though they tell me they'll tell me they don't like cursive because that again they i think they feel like they're being like an out you know an outsider a little bit yeah, yeah. like this might sound crazy but i don't really prefer your main project i mean obviously right maybe it's not obvious but i feel like it should be obvious it's just like really if you like anything that i've done i think that's pretty cool <laughs> like i appreciate that so 
Well, I mean, have you ever thought about one of my favorite records you've done was um, Blackout? I mean, have you ever thought about? Did you ever tour behind that with like sequencers or kind of using those more electronic kind of? Um, I mean, yeah, I guess we did, <laughs> but it was a pretty. Um, that's a good example, probably, of looking back and thinking like, yeah, I guess we were kind of younger back then, because we just had. Uh, I mean, we had an iPod that we would run. You yeah, know? I think we had different like sequencer things, sequencer things. But nothing like the faint level. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just kind of like our like pretty basic um, like press play on this thing and try to get try to implement some of that into the music. Uh, but yeah, so I guess not a ton. I mean, was that a good experience for you to kind of work kind of maybe outside what you normally do? Uh, that, yeah, I was just getting into stuff like that. That that was it was a phase that I had. Yeah. Um, I mean, not like in a bad way. Like it was, I I love music like that. I uh, I think one of my heavier influences in the late '90s was Portishead and um, Good Life. Kind of, kind of sprung from at the same time. Like I was just listening, probably, and I realized it sounds maybe nothing like Portishead, <laughs> you know. But that was just kind of what was really interesting me at the time. Gotcha. I mean, how did the sort of screenwriting stuff kind of s- start? Uh, I, I, um, so I guess my, my short story on, on who I am, <laughs> I really love film a lot and that's what I, that's what I, that's what I grew up loving. I, but I loved music too. And I had, I had a, I had a lot of good music in my family cause I have older siblings. So that always helped. Like, so I had a lot of great cassette tapes laying around like violent films and cure and stuff that I got to like, uh, consume like at an early age, you know, but always loved film the most. And that's what I always wanted to do. I wanted to be, uh, a director and started learning guitar as a knee, as a means to, uh, to start like expressing, you know, just like, I guess kind of like that beauty of children of like needing to like get something out. So in such a intense way. So I started playing guitar and, uh, and just, we just had, you know, luck with it at an early age. And I think it's mostly because we were from Omaha, you know? Right. Um, cause we were in Omaha and we were ambitious. So, uh, you know, like the newspapers and the radio stations all kind of like turn their head, you know, like, noticed us it's like what are these teenagers doing they're putting out their own cassette tapes and uh and so that's been this weird this that's been this like for better or where it's actually all for better because i mean i'm so lucky that i've had a career in it but it just was a snowball that i've it's like a very very slow (laughs) and then steady fortunately steady snowball for like the last 10 years you know that's been going but it also kind of kept me out of uh it also kind of kept me out of the screenwriting stuff, which was what I always really intended to do. Maybe it wasn't such a short story after all, but I'm not even done yet. So right. I turned 30 and kind of made that promise to myself of like, well, you have to start working on screen on screenplays now because that's kind of like what your true intention is. So uh, it's been like 10 years that I've been doing that now. So like what i guess the goal is to get like a movie made based on your i don't really know a lot about screenwriting but uh 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's, it's, it's a really, I mean, music's a really tough industry, and I think movies are even crazy tougher because there's so much money involved. Right. Uh, and that's been really frustrating for me, and I've had a. Uh, I've had uh, a couple like highs, uh, some very like some really big highs that like crashed into the worst of lows. <laughs> uh, so I've had a couple screenplays that um, were, um, you know, honestly like like weeks away from going into production, and and then it fell through. But uh, the last one, coincidentally, was, or maybe not coincidentally, but. Maybe not quite topically, topically either, but it was last summer. It wasn't that long ago. Okay. And uh, after that one, instead of, uh, instead of uh, you know, like cradling myself into a long uh, depression, uh, I decided to just write another script really quick. And uh, finally, I'm like really proud to say, finally shot it the way that I've been wanting to shoot it for the last 10 years, which is I borrowed money from cursive and I used credit cards and, uh, and just shot it myself like last December. And I got a bunch of like great actors from the theater community in Chicago. And, uh, so I'm really stuffed on that and it's being edited right now. And, and wait, do you know when it might come out? Or? I mean, it's, it's all so new for me yeah. that it's like, I have no idea how it's all going to work and I have no idea if it'll turn out well either. So it's really scary. I mean, I was joking around with some friends last night that I mean, if it doesn't turn out well, I don't really know what to do other than feel like I'm out of a bunch of money because you can't really, I was making an analogous to music that you can't, you can't release, I can't just like release the shitty album right? and be like, Hey everyone, it's kind of a shitty album, you know, like check it out. <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, I still have my, I guess, you know, a reputation that you want to right. uphold, you know? So I'm a little, I'm, you know, I'm. I want to say I'm nervous about it, but mostly I'm just kind of curious about the whole thing. I'll be really bummed. I'll be really annoyed because of the amount of money that I've spent on it. <laughs> but other than that, it's just kind of a really curious and it's a really interesting process. I mean, making it, shooting it was a total blast. And it seemed like everything went the way it was supposed to. So that's good. I mean, when you finish something, whether it's like a movie or an album or something, when you're done, is it always like... Uh, I don't know, like, is this good? Are people going to like it? Or is it like, I nailed it, like, this is it? That's a great question relative to what I was just explaining, <laughs> you know? And I think what it is, is, uh, I think what it, I think that with albums, I've just, I've done enough of them now that there's certain, um, there's like certain, uh, uh, responses that I need to get from myself and if those are there if those like, you can kind of like if, if it's all there like yeah this feels right and that feels right and that worked out um, it still leaves you unsure uh, and that's a part like the, if, whether it's good or not in the in this sense of is it going to connect with people I guess that is whether it's good or not right I, I, I mean it's so, so subjective right but like will it connect with people like will it resonate with people or maybe even for me i think maybe it's more like will the people who have been supportive of my albums in the past will they relate to it and uh then thus i guess that equals good <laughs> if they do you know you don't know you just think every single album you don't know um but 
Uh, same with the movie. It's like, I'll have to, you know, I'll have to see if it like hits all those, you know, if I can check all those boxes of like being able to watch it and be like, all right, well, works for me. You know, I, guess, <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's what it is with albums too. It's like, right. well, it seems like this is the intention. So, but you're right. Is that good or not? It's like, well, who knows? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it is. It is to you. Right. But so it's if al- it's good to you, then that's why you would release it. Then you'd release it. But I feel like with albums, and this is something I talk about with Jeff all the time, is like, you put out a album and people are like, eh, I don't, sometimes it's like, eh, I don't know. And then you put your next album and it was like, we love the last album. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, well, you love that now? Like, when it came out, no one cared. Yeah. So it's like, and, or, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a fun, that's actually something I really enjoy about uh, putting albums out and actually going you know, like circling back to ugly organ which was uh, you know like the biggest thing that i've done so everything past that after that has uh kind of like in a way in a sense like not in a not in a sad or negative way but it's kind of you know i've been in the wake of that a little bit um but sincerely not in a way that has ever bothered me because i think i like to i like to consider myself to be fairly like you know looking forward <laughs> moving yeah, yeah. forward so it doesn't really matter to me but uh like i never expect i'm kind of going off on a tangent now you don't ever I, mean, I never expect to do something that's a success as successful as that again you know and that's really cool with me as long as i can keep doing records you know um but coming back on on track i said on track we're actually going off track aren't we yeah it's good to go uh, off track yeah here. uh it's funny but also i get a real kick i think that that both bands that i'm in um get a real kick out of how you can put out that album you're talking about like you put out your new album and it's kind of it'll be a you know some yeah maybe this person loves it here this person loves there but it's overall like kind of a tepid response but they really love the album you did you know your last album they're stoked on that and you just kind of so you just kind of know in the back of your mind it's like well in a year and a half when we come back out <laughs> and tour and have new material for the next album, people are going to love this stuff. Totally. It's funny. And it keeps happening. And it's great. And so I, and it's great to have your album, you know, like to have even the albums that are maybe, again, that are maybe more like tepid in response, they still get their due. It seems like they always get their due. Yeah, that's true. Um, it, what about the, are you still doing the solo? I know you've reached a couple solo albums. I think yeah. I saw you, I saw you some. Somewhere with like Steve Brodsky or something. Uh, yeah, I played with him up in I think it was in Connecticut. Okay, I think I saw you maybe the next day or something. I think, I think it was that's right. his girlfriend yeah. or something. Uh, are you, are you still working on that stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did two records. Or I did I did a record and then I and then I tried to follow it up fairly quickly just because I want to just because I want to get the catalog going a little bit because. It was, it was it was a blast starting a new catalog, but at the same time I was eager to build it a little bit so I don't have to be that new band that has that plays their whole record, right? Plus two covers or something, you know. Uh, so yeah, so I did that, and I'm the third one, and this is where it gets tricky. I don't even know how much I'm, I should talk about this, but the third one was will be attached to this movie, but. Or not, <laughs> you know, or it'll be, or it'll be this, it'll be the soundtrack to a thing that no one's allowed to see. <laughs> so what, like when you, 
when you wake up, you wake up in Chicago, your girlfriend goes to work. I mean, do you have, do you feel like you have a pretty good work ethic where you like, you wake up, I'm going to like just start writing or is it like you kind of roll out of bed, like watch TV, like. I really have to like risk of like humble bragging. Like I really have to dial back. Um, cause I think it's like too intense and I've really been like trying to, this tour actually, this cursive tour that we're out on has been great for me in for the opposite reason that I've kind of just been loafing and not, I have like, I had all this stuff that I, you know, kind of like on my, uh, you know, like on my desk that I kind of want. It's mostly like the next Tim Casher record that I want to be working on. And I haven't really been working on, uh, and I'm telling myself like, you know what, that's kind of great. Cause I'm just, I think I just work a little too constantly on stuff. And I've kind of to the point where I'm not really sure, like I'm starting to question, like, are you having, like, are you enjoying life? You know, like, are you like going out and meeting friends and doing things that you actually enjoy? Or are you just being too like weird and obsessive? My mom's, my mother's like a, was like a workaholic to kind of a fault growing up and I have so much of that in me and I don't want to have too much of it in me (laughs) (laughs) but does it feel like work or does it feel like you're making art or is it no it's great I mean I do it because I love it but I just because I'm just saying like I want to like I want to like stay well-rounded yeah I want to go out and have adventures still too so you have something to write about yeah that's true I mean do you feel like you write a lot about the past sort of um I don't know. I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess that's all we can. Yeah. Isn't that all we can write about? <laughs> uh, I, I guess experiences, I, you know, I guess I just feel like, I mean, like, I feel like some of those albums are so like, I feel like Domestica and all that stuff. I mean, like that, that seems so about like, I remember when that album came out and like every interview was like Tim's relationship fell apart. This is what that album's about. And it was like every interview was just asking you all these really kind of personal questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess this is a very convoluted <laughs> question I'm asking you now, but like, is, do you feel like it's, are you glad like that kind of, you don't have to deal with that kind of shit anymore? I guess um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that was, that, I mean, that was a, uh, I mean, I guess that's just what that record was about. That was that was all a little bit convoluted. It was a little bit confusing. I think we we were all um, kind of at odds with it. We weren't really sure how we were supposed to approach that um, record from the press point of view. And we were such a small band in, I say press point of view, but that was like not even something we were thinking about at that point. But as Saddle Creek, as a you know, really early on, as a really early young label, and us as a young band. Uh, there was a lot of discussion of like, well, okay, Tim, this album is all about your divorce. Should we talk about that? Like, should we? And, uh, our bigger feelings was like, well, no, probably we shouldn't, you know? And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I guess it's like, I feel like it's been a long time now, but I feel like maybe like Rob at Saddle Creek was like, well, I think it's like really a, I think it's really important part. I think it's really important information about what this con the content of this record. And so I think we kind of shrugged with like, well, I guess whatever's whatever you think is best. Um, and it felt a little bit 
like opening, you know, like opening my closet door is a little too wide. Yeah. That's the right way to put it. I don't think it is, uh, <laughs> at the time, but I mean, looking back now, I don't know, as long as there was like no major harm. I remember my grandma was pretty upset about it and she felt like it was like, you know, I know there's some kind of expression about like airing your dirty laundry, right? Right. Uh, but, uh, I don't know, looking back, I guess as far as what, you know, people's interest in records and stuff, I guess maybe it was, like, maybe, you know, I, it gave people something more to attach to, like, you know, by getting, by having like a nugget of like, well, what's going on behind this record or is it just fiction or not? Or, right. And, but boy, I sure became, um, I sure became like a, uh, I sure became like a love doctor for so many people for so many years after that, like such a psychiatrist for so really? many people. Like whenever someone has a breakup or something. Yeah. And I, my most common response would just kind of laugh and be like, you're really asking me that? And like, <laughs> like, you know, like, like, did you hear the record? <laughs> like, I'm like, I should be like, I'm the one who doesn't know. But anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I get, yeah. I guess that that kind of stuff is also just relatable to people. I feel like everyone's been through. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess like that information, having, sharing that information, I think actually was kind of good Yeah, for a lot of people. I mean, do you still read a lot? Cause I feel like there's so many, I like, I learned about like Fonte and maybe some other stuff through your songs. Um, I mean, is it, are you still kind of on top of a lot of that stuff? Yeah, I try. That's all been part of my obsessive behavior a little bit too, is I started reading less in the last year, something I noticed. Yeah. So like I need to like stay on reading a lot, but yeah, that's a thing I enjoy doing. Is it, do you read a lot on tour? Is it hard or is it? I do. God, again, I don't know what's been going on on this tour, but I'm reading really slowly, but yeah, that's actually generally when I can get a ton, ton read. Is it mostly kind of older stuff or kind of contemporary? Or I don't know. I actually love, I love trying to keep up with contemporary. Uh, I know there's like a real, a, a real divide on that. You know, people feel, feel like there's nothing good after 1950 or, right. and I don't believe in any of that. I think there's always going to be good writers, right? Totally. I'm reading this book now, uh, this guy, Adam Rapp, it's called Know Your Beholder. Um, yeah, what else has he read? He, he's like written a I bunch that, of plays. Oh, okay. And he wrote this Maybe book called The Year of uh, Endless Sorrows, like seven or eight years ago. But I think he's like a pretty well-known playwright <coughs> that he's coming on. But yeah, he's, I've been reading his stuff. It's really, maybe check it out. All right. Yeah. I, if I haven't read him before, it's like, I guess I'm just familiar with him. Yeah. Um, trying to think like, oh, I want to ask you one other thing. Uh, I went to go see you guys, um, when you guys did that Eastern Youth tour, mm-hmm. what your appendix burst or something? Uh, it's uh, my lung. Your lung. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I suppose you went and we we weren't there. I went. It was 2002. I was on Warp tour. I walked to, I guess I don't know where the show was. It was like a basement. Maybe it was like the Sokol, a small, smaller. Oh, okay. So you were in Omaha. I was in Omaha. That was like the like the day I met like the Thursday guys and stuff. Oh, cool! Um, and I went to the show, and yeah, and it was just Eastern Youth, which was mm-hmm. still awesome. Yeah, they were. It was really cool that. Okay, so I guess the story of it was. Um, first, I want to I guess say a quick aside about Eastern Youth because 
how how awful it must have been for them that you know they're from Japan, they fly over to the states and they're stoked they're going they're doing this tour, uh, and they when they landed, I think the way it happened if I recall I might be a day off but they landed like maybe in the northwest or something and got the news that I had collapsed a lung in Salt Lake City, like basically like on the way to seeing, to meeting up with them to start this tour. It must've just been so difficult. This is reminding me, by the way, I just had a dream. I just had a dream about Eastern youth. Really? Like two nights ago. Yeah. That I like re met with all of them. Isn't that funny? That is funny. Um, I hadn't seen them in a while. I'm just like catching up with all of them. But, uh, yeah, but anyways, it's so cool. They did that whole... I think they did the whole tour. Yeah. Anyway, and I guess what would you do? It's just like, well, here we are, like, across an ocean. I don't know. I feel like for some reason that wouldn't happen now. I don't know. Um, I think that... I, I want to suggest that a few venues maybe cut their losses and were like, yeah. you know what? This isn't going to work out. But a lot of venues um, still invited... You know, I think that they Eastern News basically put out, like, we're still here and we... We'll still play to whoever, right? And a lot of uh, venues honored that. I think yeah, that's great. That is cool. Yeah, and I've heard, I've, I still run into people here and there that mention that, and they're like, "Man, it sucked you weren't there, but man, Eastern Youth was so cool that night." Yeah. And, but my lung, uh, I have like it's, I've so my lungs collapsed collapsed twice now, and the way that um, our lungs work. Uh, like go into a little bit of science, into a little biology. That'd be great. I'm really bad at this stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you're talking uh, to a fourth grader. Um, our lungs, um, like your lungs, Jonah, repair themselves um, just like any, like most of your body parts. You know, like you'll get a scratch and uh, it'll heal. Right. And your lungs do the same. So um, people here and there, um, they will collapse a lung and you go to the hospital for a couple of days and um, it just kind of... Uh, it mends itself. Uh, so I have, so my, my lung problem, I guess is at least twofold. One is that it, they collapse on their own. Uh, there's, you have like all of these, um, you know, like those like kind of broccoli things, like there's all these like bronchioles and, uh, avioli in mine. If you can imagine them, they're all kind of look like broccoli, you know, in mine, like the walls, I'm like showing you a visual here, but we're like on a podcast. Um, my wall, the walls of mine, will um, they all kind of um, collapse and turn into a big blister okay. called blebs until then they get so large until they get so large that it just is, becomes so weak that that blister pops. Uh, so that's one. That's a. That's the first problem that I have with my lungs. And it's just like this really strange disorder that I don't even remember the name of. And a lot of doctors don't seem to know the name of, but other doctors have been like, oh, you have blah, 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 blah. That's weird. Uh, and then secondly, and maybe this is just part of the first problem, but um, they don't heal themselves. They won't mend themselves. Okay. So I have to go, I have to, so when it happens to me, it's really um, debil. It's really frustrating and debilitating because it's uh, like two weeks in the hospital what do they do in that? Like they just have to go into your lung? They have to go, like, yeah. Like so, I have like, yeah. So I have to have like, so I have to have surgery. It's like they have to go to surgery, and they they have different methods. But I think the last method they used was um, this is strange, but uh, they could say it's kind of like Velcro. Like they rough up 
the sides of my lungs and then just kind of like <laughs> press them back together, like Velcro them back together. And uh, so, yeah, it's like, you know, it's t- like two weeks in the hospital and then it's, I don't even know anymore. I think it's like three months recovery or something like that. It really takes, takes a while. What is it? So you're sitting in the van or whatever. I mean, what does it feel like when it happens? Like, it's not like you didn't, you won't notice it or something, or is it? I actually don't even know. And so, because I'm, you know, there's there's kind of um, there's a little bit of a ticking time bomb to it even now because it's been like it's been like whatever like twelve or thirteen years since it happened last, and I've had it. It happened to me like kind of in, it happened to me in like 92 and then it happened again in 2002 and okay. now I'm older and you know, like, I mean, obviously, certainly I just hope it never happens again. Right. But it's also annoyingly in the back of my mind, you know, like, all right, are we ready? Are we ready for the, you know, the third one? Uh, but the first time I didn't even, uh, I didn't even know it happened. I was in high school and I remember playing uh, field hockey and just being so out of breath. And then I just couldn't take stairs anymore. And, uh, and I was working, you know, my job at my mother's, you know, like furniture store. And everything I was doing, I was just like, I'm just so exhausted all the time. And three days later, um, I was like, you know what? I think I really need to go to the hospital. So we went and um, everyone kind of flipped out and <laughs> it's like you know and we flipped out we we're like what the hell is wrong you right. know like what's wrong with me and the second time it happened um it was kind of more like this it was more like a light switch and i was like oh like i and i was in the van we we're driving into salt lake city and i was like we pulled over to the side of the road and i was like i think i might be really fucked up like I think we might have a serious problem, <laughs> and we still this is we still did the show that night, which no is really way. weird. It was really weird, and people and I'm now people kind of talk about it like like as if it was some kind of a valiant move. It's like no, it was just a dumb move. <laughs> but it's like you just you know you're with your friends and there's a show and you, it's kind of like you don't ever want to be too sick to play, right? You know, it's like I got this, I got this, guys. I was kind of being an idiot like that, but we also didn't know. It's so hard to know. You can't just like look it's not like you can like look at your circuit board and be like oh it looks like i have a collapsed lung <laughs> right so we decided to just go play the show <laughs> and then and then wait until the next morning the next morning i was like yep it's still there it's like all right let's go to the hospital yeah i feel like with a lot of my problems i'm like if i ignore it sometimes it just goes away <laughs> that's like my first way of dealing with yeah. it <laughs> maybe that would have worked <laughs> it's probably not good advice i yeah. guess when it comes to- <laughs> Um, so, uh, Ugly Organ Tour is going on now, and then back to Chicago, and then kind of finish editing the movie, I guess? Yeah, uh-huh, and, um, yeah, I don't know if this is, like, just me sitting here plugging things, but... No, that's... I just, I just did a I'm good life... Yeah, I just did a good life record. No way. Yeah, so we're gonna put that out in August. Oh, that's amazing. So that's kind of, like, the next big thing on my docket. Is that... Is Good Life... Um, is that always kind of the same crew of people? We try to, we try to keep it that way and it currently is. Yeah. We, um, as we kind of adjusted as a younger band, um, we, we made adjustments in from album to album, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's been me and Ryan Fox and Roger Lewis and, uh, Stephanie Truton Sensony for a long time now. That's awesome. I think I saw Roger maybe, did he play drums at some point for Neva DeNova? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He did. 
And I think I saw maybe Stephanie play with Bright Eyes when they did that vote for change thing. Um, maybe not. I don't know. She's definitely played with Bright Eyes a lot. Yeah. So wild how it seems like a lot of, do you feel like a lot of the people from that time kind of still play together? I mean, do you, obviously I guess Matt and Tim. And- I mean, yeah, kind of. I mean, there's, you know, you could say like in some ways things have changed a lot and they certainly have, but in other ways, you know, like Desperacitos is going to have a new album out, you know, like the faints back together again. Right. Like in, a, in some way, you know, like Jenny Lewis is still out, like kicking ass. Like there's still, everyone's still kind of doing similar, same things, you know? Yeah. It's cool. I think that's yeah. amazing. And I think it's cool too. Like people like Steven Peterson, or it's like, he's like a lawyer. Like that's also <laughs> fucking Well, crazy. he's doing a new Criteria record too. Really? Yes. Apparently. So oh my God. like I've I've heard some new songs and I guess I shouldn't speak for them but I I mean I think so I think that's the I think that's why they're writing the new songs you know? that's awesome and I th- yeah and Jake's solo record so great that's one of my favorite records of, me too yeah we had actually him. one of my favorite records on Saddle Creek I think it, to be honest I think it's one of my favorites too yeah I feel like I talk about it so much on the podcast yeah I'm just it's like, really good I'm like I, I just it. don't understand how you could hear it and not be like this is fucking incredible yeah. Hey, I'm really excited for a second for a follow-up to that. Yeah, same here. So yeah, um, keep an eye out for Tim's movie. <laughs> or don't, or don't. <laughs> it's going to be great. I feel, and also like what I think is, what I was thinking about when you were saying that is like, I'm sure your movie's going to be great, but it's like, I know what you're saying about there being so much work and so much money that goes into them, but there's like so many fucking shitty movies. Yeah. Which is, blows my mind because it's like, I get like you go in the studio, the record doesn't work out, but it's like so many people are involved and so much... I feel, I feel like I have the benefit of I like really low budget. I like the charm of really low budget stuff. But I think a lot of people don't connect to that. Yeah. But, you know, I don't. I didn't spend a ton of money on it, so I don't need a ton of people to connect to it. And I don't expect a ton of people to connect to it. <laughs> no, but I've never had a ton of people connect to anything I've done. So it's like, I'm just hoping that some people connect to it. But it seems like the people that connect to it really connect to it. Yeah, well, I hope so for, for anything I do, you know. We'll see. Hello, that was Tim Kasher on Going Off Track. Yeah. Check out his his new album, When the Good Life, Everybody's Coming Down. Check out that, hopefully that movie he was talking about working on is happening soon at this point, because that sounded really interesting. And check out everything by Cursive and Tim, Slow Down Virginia. Dude, is, uh, he's been in a lot of bands, made a lot of cool records. Um... What else? Uh, if you want to support this podcast, go to goingofftrack.com. You can donate. Um, leave us a nice review on iTunes. Um, check us out on Twitter. What else? That's that's pretty much what Check else? out all our podcasts. Check out all our podcasts. They're this, all great. They're all good. This is currently <laughs> the only one that it, you can find. <laughs> but Brad's been re- secretly recording one maybe here after hours. <laughs> called Brad Unplugged. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Um, Brad ranting about contractors. Oh my God. If that was an actual podcast, that would be my favorite podcast. <laughs> it's very entertaining. I was trying hard not to listen, but, uh, listen, if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to work for Brad, you gotta, you gotta follow through or you're going to get called out. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, we'll be back next Wednesday with another super exciting podcast. I, I'm going to be in Europe or somewhere when this comes out. Poor so, lad. So hopefully I won't be jet lagged. Yeah, poor me. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye.